Well, hey, good morning, Cap City Church. How are we doing today? All right. Wake a little bit today. I'm sure you've already had your hand, a handful of cookouts. You're headed to one after church or tomorrow. I think there's going to be one here Tuesday night at the church. So hamburgers and hot dogs no more after this weekend, right? Like I'll be worn out with them. So, hey, just a couple things. We've got a lot on the docket today. But uh, first and foremost, I want to start with greeting a couple guests we have with us today. Our West Central District District Superintendent and his wife, Pastor Joe and Peggy Duvall, are with us. And also uh, our general superintendent of the Christ and Christian Union Churches, Reverend Mike Holbrook and his wife, Charlotte, are here. So could we make them feel welcome this morning? That was, that was longer than they clapped for me, guys. That was good. So, hey, um, just a couple different things we're going to do different. A, a lot of times we take time um, to pray specifically during a song, during the worship. But uh, I want to really emphasize prayer in response to today's sermon. So that's the time we're going to have our pastors at the, at the altar for you to pray for you. You can come for any various reasons that you might want to pray in response to the message or uh, if you have a need. But that's also a reminder this morning that in this church, and hopefully any church you would attend, although I know that might not necessarily be the case, these altars are always open. And if you're a guest here today, you know that there will always be somebody there ready to pray with you if that's your desire. And if you are a guest today, we want you to know that we're so glad that you're here. Um, and you can know that to, to Pastor Jonathan, you're the most important person in the building today. So if you fill out a connection card, We'd love to connect with you. So, hey, why don't we get on our feet? We've got uh, a great worship set today. We've got a full stage. Uh, it's my fifth week. We finally got everybody married and back from vacation and all these different things. So just be a great time of worship here this morning. Shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. And I 
were the beggars, and now we're royalty. We were the prisoners, and now we're running free. And we are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by His grace. Let the house of the Lord sing praise. Cause we were the beggars, and now we're royalty. We were the prisoners, and now we're running free. We are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by His grace. Let the house of the Lord sing praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. Oh, we shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. And our God is surely in this place. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in
devotion, our devotion, poured out on the feet of Jesus. Our affection, our devotion, poured out on the feet of Jesus. Our affection, our devotion. one more time. Jesus, we I want to thank you for this day. I want to thank you for allowing us to come here and worship you. I'm actually overwhelmed by just the words that we, we sing over and over and over again. Jesus, we, we love you. And we love you with all of our hearts. So as Pastor Jonathan brings the message today, I ask that you speak through him and you speak through us as we carry on into the week. In your name we pray. Welcome to Capital City Church. We are so glad you're joining us for service today. Please share your updates, praises, and prayer requests on the connection card in your bulletin and drop it in the offering when it comes around later this morning. First time visitors, please let us get to know you through the connection card. And at the end of the service, you can take it to the visitor welcome desk in the lobby to receive a small gift. The Purpose Driven Life for Ladies began this past week and it's not too late to join. Please visit the information desk back of the sanctuary and pick up more information. July 10th through the 17th is West Central Camp Meeting here at Cap City. The West Central District Kids Camp will run nightly July 10th through the 17th. Yours truly have an amazing program called God's Wonder Lab prepared for the kids to enjoy. Be sure to invite friends and family to this amazing week. 
The Global Missions Rally will take place Sunday, July 10th at 6 p.m. And Ladies' Night will be Monday, July 11th with refreshments at 6 p.m. and the service starting at 7. Both events will be here at Cap City and all are welcome. Thank you for supporting the ministries of Cap City Church. You can give online or by check or cash. Please see the back of your bulletin for more details. Please welcome Pastor Jonathan with today's message. Oh, good morning again. Just before I take off, talk, uh, take off talking here a little bit, we'll be in Proverbs 17 if you want to find your way to text. As usual, we'll have, should have everything up on the screens uh, to help you out. We're starting a new series this week. Um, and the series is entitled Words. I'm, I know I've been really creative with these titles out of the gate. Uh, the, the title of the, of the sermon is even more, uh, more thought-provoking. It's talk. Uh, this week we're going to talk about how, we're going to talk about talking. We're going to talk about talking. So this week we're going to talk about how we use words to talk. Next week we're going to talk about listening. Um, you know, I, I, I'm sure if you're like me, I had fun preaching the first series. It was an exciting series. We talked about moving from, from Egypt to Jericho. And when you put something up like this, you go, oh, come on, pastor. Like, we we're going to do vision, and we were going to do direction, and we we're going to talk about words. It uh, doesn't seem as exciting. But a word that I've heard a lot around here in the first month, I'm uh, basically a month in. This is our fifth week here. I've heard the word revival used a lot, all right? And uh, I'll share with Pastor Mike and Pastor Joe a little bit, give them a little bit of what happened here last week. We had uh, Pastor Michael Blevins from our Waverly Church. He came in and he spoke for us and he, when he did Josh and Alyssa's baby dedication. Well, Indiana's baby dedication. We didn't dedicate Josh and Alyssa. But at the end, you know, we talked about people getting involved in children's ministry and everybody went crazy and clapped. And then I said, hey, that means everybody that claps should be signing up to work in children's ministry, right? <sighs> yeah, not as much applaud this week. And so we talk about revival, and I wonder when we talk about revival, what comes to mind? Most of the time, somebody, our minds go backwards. Most of us come, go back to some type of historical event or church service they're a part of. Probably for those of you that were in re scheduled revival services, you could probably tell me about the longest revival service that you ever saw, right? We put it on the schedule for three or four days. I remember when I was eight, my dad preached a revival for 30 days. 30 days, right? I mean, I just, that's, I thought he lived at the church. The church he was preaching at changed the title on the door from assistant pastor to Tom Barker, and I just thought maybe that's where we were going to go to church from that point on. Um, we can't cover it extensively because we have a sermon to cover today, but when we think about revival, I think sometimes we go to certain songs in our history, certain preachers, certain locations. But just like last week when we talked about wanting people to volunteer more, we've heard the phrase before, we need to put our money where our mouth is. This week we're going to talk about putting revival where our mouth is. The best I can tell, I've read lots of book, books on it, a lot of historical uh, accounts of revival. I'm going to reference one of them at the end of the sermon. But the best I can tell, I'm going to, like all the reading, all the studying, all the personal experience I, I've, I've done, revival has to do with confession and repentance. That's it. Confession 
and repentance. Not like, I'm going to come up with this, I'm sorry, but not this, well, it was my fault, but it was a little bit your fault too. It's just full out taking ownership of the reality that without God's grace, we make mistakes, we fall, we have to own them, and we have to repent, which doesn't mean just to speak those things out loud, but to actually make a decision to alter the way that we live our lives. And that's where we see God move. And the more we see do it at once, that's what causes a greater sense of revival. Again, we're going to talk a little bit more about that in just a second. But, um, but let's start with this question. How have you experienced pain or hurt in this life? The older you are, the more you've experienced. And many of you could point to various things, and I'm not going to call out for answers right now. Um, but, you know, from time to time, we experience physical pain. Um, and unfortunately, the, the more we age, the older we get, sometimes physical pain constantly hangs out with us all the time, right? I went and hit a few golf balls yesterday morning. I woke up, my back was a little stiff. Those things ought not to be. Uh, that was not something that used to exist in my life, and, and now it does. And, but, but as I prepared this message, I thought about when I feel hurt. When I feel hurt. I, I mean, I did just tell you about my back pain, but generally speaking, I don't feel like I need to walk around saying, you know, my back really beat me up today. It really wasn't, a, it wasn't fair of my back to attack me like that. I think about when as a pastor, others have come to me and said that they've been hurt. You know, it's almost never been physical. In rare and unfortunate situations, it has been, but I would say no less than nine out of ten times when someone says they've been hurt, they are referring to something someone said to them or about them. You've been hurt by some, something that someone has said to you or about you. Most of the hurt that we will experience in this life will come from the words of others. So it's only fair then to assume that most of the pain we will cause others comes the same way. We're going to be in James a lot today, too, and we could get into some specifics about how deadly and poisonous and fiery James calls our tongue. But what if we just kind of settled in on that thought, that all the hurt or most of the hurt that you've experienced in this life and you've caused in this life has been with your words, with your words, with my words. On the other side, I wonder what you think the number of times is that you've gotten in trouble for saying nothing. Most of us don't know because most of us don't know how to do that, right? Oh, I just got to tell them what I think. I know something on the subject they don't. They caught a three-pound fish. I caught a four-pound fish. There's always something there for us to say. We don't have to say it all. You can always say it later, but once it's out there, it's pretty hard to take it back. The Holy Spirit really impressed upon me the timing of this message to be appropriate. I've been here four or five weeks, and some of you in your coffee groups, your life groups, your Sunday school classes, your telephone calls, your text messages have already told each other what you think of the new pastor. And I haven't heard anything bad, so thank you for at least not saying it in front of me. But you're, gonna, you're starting to wonder what we might do next. You're starting to wonder why this person's working there and that person's working there. And if we're not careful... We might take a chance at hurting someone. So I think this is a pretty timely place for us to jump in, and I, the Holy Spirit impressed that upon me. So we're going to talk about words for the next two weeks. Next week, we're going to talk about listening, and this week, we're going to talk about talking. 
Well, we'll have some laughs. We'll try to keep it, keep it fun. But the power of our words is certainly no laughing matter. So I'll be in a few places today. We'll start in Proverbs chapter 17, verse 28. He who restrains his words has knowledge. And he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. Even a fool, even a fool, when he keeps silent, is considered wise. If you're worried about your intellect, the less you talk, the smarter people will think you are. How about that? Just Bible stuff. That wasn't Jonathan. When he closes his lips, he's considered prudent or wise. Let's jump in and start with the quantity of our words, right? You guys have seen me. I'll try to keep this up. I've really had fun using some props with you. And uh, we're going to start off by talking about the quantity of our words, okay? So I've got some toothpaste and, to and some toothbrushes up here, a towel, because I'm already planning on making a mess, and then I won't be able to use my computer anymore. Um, but let's talk about toothpaste and toothbrushes for a minute. This is, I'm sure you, you want to know why we're doing this. I bought Colgate because it's the cheapest kind, because it's disgusting, and you should use Crest. <laughs> Four out of five dentists say so, right? And that's, that's probably made up. But hey... We've got, we've got some toothpaste here and, and a couple toothbrushes. And I wonder, some of you, if you know when you squeeze, did you know when you squeeze a tube of toothpaste that there's a particular way to do it? From the bottom. So, some of you that said that are sitting next to somebody that doesn't do that, right? Like, right? That's a, I love just looking around and watching you look at each other, right? Or trying to find your spouse. But... You guys, a lot of you are, I know where he's going with this. Once you squeeze it out of the tube, you can't put it back. And you're right. I learned it in elementary school and VBS and Sunday school and got tired of it. But then, you know, our children do such a great job at helping us write sermons. So I've seen this, right? Like some of you, I know you're probably already going to cringe. We'll just grab right here in the middle and we'll just, we'll get it there and just like, look at all that waste and you wouldn't want to touch that. Um, I, I don't know what I'm going to do with this right now, but let's talk about this situation for a minute. Now, I should have started and showed you, uh, so our youngest Ben, it, like he just, when he was younger and we would be putting the toothpaste, like we'd be helping put toothpaste on the toothbrush, every once in a while we'd get some like, it wouldn't be right on the bristles. It'd be like on the head and he'd go, Pugh. like, I'm not sticking that in my mouth. It goes on the bristles and nowhere else. That's it. Clean off the toothbrush and put it back on. Our youngest is not spoiled at all, I promise. So this, I mean, this just would not work for him at all. And most of you would like, if I said you had to put, put this in your mouth right now, you would just look at me like, you are out of your mind. It'd be too much. It'd be overwhelming. But I, if, if a little on the, on the head of the toothbrush, if that's helpful, why wouldn't more be better? All you smart people or you fools that are keeping your mouth shut right now, see where I'm going. <laughs> this doesn't make things any better. I'm not getting more accomplished. And guess what? You can't even see it. I'll have to pick it up so I can show you. I didn't just waste all this. Look at all that that fell off. All of it was wasted. All of it was wasted. Using more didn't make things any better. Man, I almost feel like I could give an altar call right now, right? Because I can't shut up either. I struggle with it. I need to talk less. But think about, not only that, there's so much here. 
what happened? The reason we squeeze it, somebody's going to be like, see, we're going to get to the Bible. So when we squeeze from the bottom of the tooth, toothpaste, we do that because it allows us to have the most use out of it. Allows us to have the most use. I mean, I was, I'm a bottom squeeze. <laughs> I squeeze the bottom of the toothpaste. <laughs> there it is. Chalk it up. That's my first one. We'll just make a list of them at my 20th anniversary party, huh? <laughs> um, so... I told you we'd have some laughs along the way. That one was unscheduled, though. But I like, I like to be efficient, and I like to squeeze. And, I mean, this last, Allison can tell you, this last, and she, she does it right, too. We're, we're a good couple. We take care of our toothpaste rations. But, I mean, this, this last tube we just threw away, it was like, right, it was folded up all the way to the top, and you had to go back to the, to the bottom to squeeze it all out. And So um, when you work it up there and just, like, that's enough to get the job done. That's enough to clean things up. That's enough for me to be fresh, right? Like, it was re it's refreshing to use that much. It accomplishes what it needs to. And then I have more, and I add value. Isn't that all so good this morning? Like, God just gave me that, and I thought, think about our words and how we just get around people after we've had three or four cups of coffee, and we just start doing this. And it's just like, and you, you, you all know it, because sometimes we are those people, and sometimes we have to be around those people, and you just want to be like, oh, for the love, will you just slow down? I can't hear a word you're saying. I don't know what you said. I have no idea what you were trying to communicate, but you missed Man, wasn't Jesus such a good example? I mean, towards the end of his life, we couldn't get him to talk, and when we coaxed him into doing it, he just said a few words, and they had such incredible power. Such incredible power. And so, like I said, I, I talk too much, and the more I talk, the more I tend to regret. Someone once said, I've often regretted the things that I have said, but rarely have I ever regretted something that I did not say. I've never... I've never afterwards say, I didn't say, well, there's a couple times when I knew who was going to win the football game, and I should have said it ahead of time, and I didn't, probably should have told Vegas about it even, right? But I kept my mouth shut, and I didn't get to say, see, I told you so. But you can always say it later. Once it's out there, we can't take it back, right? Back to our elementary toothpaste illustration. You know, that, it's so much fun to watch a couple kids try to shove toothpaste back into the tube, isn't it? We have to be careful that we're not in, the lo in love with the sound of our own voice. We have to be careful we're not in love with the sound of our own voice. So let's move from quantity to quality. And here's where we'll spend a little bit more of our time today. We'll be in uh, James chapter 3. James chapter 3 and verse 8. No one can tame the tongue. He was, James was comparing it to a bunch of wild animals that could be tamed. He said it's a restless evil and full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father. And with it we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be this way. Does a fountain send out from the same opening both fresh and bitter water? In the same chapter we, we just read from in James chapter 3, in verse 2, James describes the person that doesn't say anything wrong as, anybody know? Perfect. Perfect. James 3, 2 says the man that can control his mouth, keep it clean, that man is perfect. As many of us probably know or we've heard, there are monks who take vows of silence. And, and this verse might have something to do with why they, why they do it. They might be doing it to avoid sinning with their words. It's not a horrible thing. There's a story of a monk who started out at a monastery, and he was only allowed two words a year. He's only allowed two words a year. 
And so after the first year, he stood before the bishop and he, he chose his first two words carefully. Can you imagine you get two words every year? And so he's been living in this monastery. He gets his two words. The bishop says, what would you like to say? And he says, bed, hard. <laughs> right? That's a pretty good two words if you've been living there for a year. You got you to gotta prioritize things. We need to prioritize our, our words a little bit more. So he comes up to year two and they say, hey, you know, it's time for your two words. The bishop says, what would you like to say? He says, food, bad. <laughs> food, bad. So they go through another year, and he comes up, and it's time for him to do his two words again. And the bishop looks at him and says, well, what would you like to say this year? And he said, I quit. <laughs> and the bishop looked at him, and he said, thank goodness. All you've done since you've been here is complain, complain, <laughs> complain. Did you know that the truth is not always the best thing to say? Proverbs 15, 23 teaches us that one of the things that makes our words good is to get the timing right. Listen, this stuff doesn't... Let me help you with some phrases that I've used that don't help you. I'm just going to be blunt. I'm the kind of person that just cuts to the point. Uh, well, it's the truth. I'm just a straight shooter. Look... People don't want to hear all the truth all the time, right? There's time to hear it. We're, we're not capable of receiving all the truth all the time. In fact, it's a, it is actually a mark of spiritual maturity if you can get to a place that you can hear all the truth all the time. But sometimes it's difficult to, you know, to do that. And so uh, to be clear, I'm not, I'm not promoting lying or being deceiving, but do we all understand what the word tact means? T-A-C-T, tact means. I've got an illustration for you in case you're unsure. Does this outfit make me look fat? Does this outfit make me look fat? Who in their right mind says yes? If you've said that before, in that moment, you weren't in your right mind. Some of us, when it comes to what we think of how we do ministry or what we think of someone else, think that just sharing our truth or the truth is the best thing to do. Some of us feel like it's our job to speak. And as long as Dr. Holbrook and, and Pastor Joe Duvall don't, will agree with me that probably a lot of people that were at General Assembly this week probably won't watch me preach this week because we don't really watch each other preach that much. I think everyone in the room had moments where going, we don't need to hear what you think anymore. Might have been over the line. I don't know. But we just kept going and going and going. And we have to be careful, church, that we don't think what we think is the most important thing. God's word is the most important thing. Amen. Christian unity is the most important thing. Tact means knowing that unsolicited truth or advice may not necessarily be helpful or edifying in the moment that we're in. Truth spoken to bring down another's reputation is still gossip. Some of you might beg to differ with me on my definition of gossip, but just because it's the truth doesn't mean it's not gossip. Can I go after gossips here for a minute? I don't really know why I ask questions like that as if you're going to be able to do anything to stop me. But a gossip is a gossip. A gossip is a gossip. Some of us are deceived into thinking that if someone else puts down someone else, that if someone puts someone else down in front of us, that they must think more highly of us, right? You kind of feel like you're in the club. Oh, they'll tell me about so-and-so now. You're so wrong. 
Do you know what they're saying about you when you aren't there? A gossip is a gossip. If you think that you're privileged enough that someone will gossip to you but not about you, mark my words, people that come to me with gossip, I'm very careful what I say about them because I just go ahead and assume that they're gossiping about me to other people. And I think it's a fair assumption. Don't spread gossip. Remember how I said I was going to get harder on you here once I was here a little bit longer? Some of you passed that test. I don't gossip. More importantly, develop a reputation as someone who won't listen to it either. Amen. Right? Here's a, you, you made it past this step of your spiritual maturity. You, you don't gossip. But now I'm going to tell you not to listen to it. Well, pastor, how do I do that? Some people just talk and talk and talk. Someone once came to me and started a sentence, pastor, I probably shouldn't say what I'm about to tell you about so-and-so. And I said, okay, then don't. And I walked away. And they didn't. Well, pastor, no, you said you shouldn't. I'm trying to keep you from sin. I wonder how we would respond if someone walked away from us as we began to gossip, if we would be offended, or if we would understand how that person kept us from sinning. We'll keep going here. Let's be sure that we don't limit this passage to just the words what we speak, but what we write, but what, and what we text, and what we type, and what we post, and what we snap, and what we insta. I'm not on social media. I don't know what all these verbs are. Maybe Rose could help me out with those. I don't know. But it's, it is so unbelievable to me as a pastor that the most offensive, most dangerous, that the worst things that people have ever said to me, they put it in print. Do you know why? Because not having to say it with our mouth, the enemy has deceived us. If we don't say it with our mouth, it's easier to say because it's not speaking out of the abundance of our heart. And so we begin to type and write and all of a sudden we hit enter, we hit post, we hit send, and then it's there forever. Did you know the majority of the conflicts that I've seen in church over the years have been easily settled because I was held guiltless when the other person had typed out everything that they wanted to make sure I knew? I'm not saying hide all your bad stuff and say it in private somewhere, but I'm saying think about it, church. Is every post, every email, every text something that will draw people to Capital City Church? Or is it making sure that they understand what your stance is on politics and the latest thing that happened in the news that week? It's not okay. It's not okay. What about Jesus? Let's see what he had to say about it. I don't have it on the screen here. I'll just talk to you a little bit. Some of my favorite scripture. In Matthew 20, 12, 34, he said that the mouth speaks about that which fills the heart. There's things that people say to me, and I don't know if they recognize, I don't want you to think I have some superpowers to know what you're thinking or, hear, or, or hearing. I'm just using the scripture as a form of discernment. You can all do the same. So you use this as well. There's certain words and language and things that people say to you. You need to know that comes from here. Does that make sense? It comes from here. It reveals what's in their heart. So we have to be careful trusting people that say certain things or use certain language because it's telling us about the cleanliness or the filthiness of their heart. Let me back that up a step further because maybe as we go into a time of response, somebody might say, I want to clean that up. It tells you that that's what they're putting into their heart because that's how we clean up our heart. We start putting cleaner things into our mind, right? Be careful, little eyes, what you see, ears, what you hear. They're all, that's... The eyes are the gateway to the heart. I see something. I desire it. And so if I clean that up, it cleans up my heart. Then it cleans up my speech. There's practical things that we can do there to make a change. Matthew 12, continuing, in verse 37, Jesus said, By our words, 
we will be condemned or justified. When I was preparing this message, I saw that text in a different light. You'll be surprised sometimes when you read a different passage how maybe a different word from a verse pops off the page at you. I've always looked at that and thought about how strong it is that we're talking about just the things that we say Jesus said would justify us or condemn us. But this, the, the word words, because I'm preaching on it, jumped off the page at me. And think about this. By, he said, by our words, we will be condemned or justified. What he didn't say. He didn't say we will be condemned or justified by our tithes. He didn't say we'll be condemned or justified by our church membership. He didn't say we'd be condemned or justified by our volunteer hours. He didn't say we'd be condemned or justified by our title at the church. He said by our words. Do you know what Jesus was so good at? I mean everything, right? Because he's the son of God. But he knew that if you got this right, everything else was going all right too. If you were using and saying the right words, he said it meant you could control your whole body, you could control your heart, you'd want to give, you'd want to volunteer, because it, would be, it was supposed to be an indicator, our words are an indicator of our spiritual well-being. They really are. It's big. It's big. So what's a careless word? He said by our careless words, everyone will be accounted for. Uh, I was going to give you a few examples of words you shouldn't say, but how about we just go with this? Take the words that you say that you think you should use the least and consider the fact that it shows others and Jesus what's hanging out in your heart. Wow, isn't that wild? The things that I regret saying the most, the things I want to say the least, that's in my heart somewhere. So I want Jesus to come after it. I want to give him my heart. We just read from James chapter 3 where it said that with our mouths we bless our Lord and Father and with it we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God and from the same mouth come both blessing and cursing and said these things ought not to be this way. Can a fountain send out from the same opening both fresh and bitter water? We've all heard the phrase, do you kiss your mother with that mouth? Right? I, anytime I've been in a scenario where I've heard that, it's been an awesome scene, hasn't it? Something, something has happened. I'm not saying we should celebrate what happened, but somebody said something. It was great Uncle Joe or Grandpa so-and-so, and they said somebody said, hey, do you kiss your mother with that mouth? See what James said here? He said, do you praise God with that mouth? Ooh. Do you praise God with that mouth? He said, you can't praise God and curse men. We can't have blessing and cursing flowing from the same place. Do you praise God with that mouth? We insult God by speaking to him with our lips while our hearts remain far from him. Paul teaches us in Ephesians chapter 5 that we should be imitators of God. And there must be no filthiness or silly talk or coarse jesting, which are not fitting. And goes on to say, these have no inheritance in the kingdom of God. Those are big consequences. Big consequences. Who are, the, who are these people grouped in with? Because sometimes we like to categorize our sins as being safer, better, worse than others. Those who speak in such, such a fashion are grouped in with those who are impure, those who are immoral, and those who are covetous. Why do we take what we say so lightly? Perverted or, or even questionable comments should not come out of our mouth, even with those who we are comfortable around. Y'all know who I'm talking about. You got that group. Well, I can say it because it's just him. or I can say it because it's just that group. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Ephesians tells us that we, should not, uh, uh, that we should not speak about deeds of darkness and even says that it's disgraceful to even talk about that which they do in secret. We love to talk about deeds of darkness. 
If you watch the news, you love deeds of darkness. Do you realize that? That's what it is, other than the quick, cute kitty they put up at the end of the episode to make you realize or inoculate you to the fact that you just saw all those things. We love to talk about the deeds of darkness, and that's why Paul went after it. Thousands of people, maybe millions, are engaging in immorality by the way they talk. Sarcasm and cynicism are destroying, destroying our ability to carry on a serious conversation about anything. If I can say this very lovingly, we as Christians were never intended to be the funny guy. We weren't intended to be, some of you go, oh, I'm a, I'm a, yeah, but a lot of times that cynicism, that sarcasm is to cover up us not wanting to have to take life seriously, not having to manage the things in our life that need to be managed. And so we have to be careful that it's not our default setting to just become the jokester in the group. Instead, we're told to be sober, or in this case, control ourselves. Remember that we're taught in 1 Corinthians that if we are to show God's love, we are not to bring attention to ourselves. So how do we work on this quality piece then? A couple quick answers. For starters, we slow down. The toothpaste, right? Just squeeze it there. Uh, squeeze. <laughs> Just squeeze the tube all the way up and, and do it slowly and make sure we don't make the mess that we made here today. We should just slow down. Consider each word before we say it. We should say nothing that we do not wish to say in his presence. Isn't that good? Because we're, we're living in his presence. I had a friend who said, man, he, he said something wrong. He said, man, I messed up. I need to clean out the filter between my brain and my mouth. I need to clean out the, the filter between my brain and my mouth. Some of us haven't checked that filter in a while. And we know things don't operate right if those filters get dirty or they aren't there. Just because it comes to your mind doesn't mean it needs to come out of your mouth. That's probably, if you need to quote me on one this week, just because it comes to your mind doesn't mean it needs to come out of your mouth. We slow down, then we speak with purpose and on purpose. Psalm 17.3 says, I have purposed, I have purposed that my mouth will not transgress. You know, there's some phrases that we use too much that I'm just going to challenge you on a little bit this morning. When we mess up or do something wrong, we say stuff like, I didn't mean to, or it was an accident, right? We, oh, I didn't mean to do that, or oh, it was an accident. And this is tough, right? Pa pastor's being really tough with this one. What we're really communicating is we weren't trying to purposely avoid whatever it was when we failed. Now, I'm not saying don't apologize when you hurt someone's feelings. I'm not saying don't receive that when someone apologizes to you. But when you say, I didn't mean to hurt your feelings, I wonder how often we never considered the, the person's feelings to begin with. When we say, I didn't mean to, when we say, I accidentally, what it's really communicating is that we weren't speaking each word on purpose and with purpose. This is a discipline. And disciplines in their simplest form just need to be practiced repeatedly. So here's the good stuff today. As we discipline the quality and quantity of our speech, we make way for power. Let's put Proverbs 18.21 on the screen this morning. Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Has someone not made your day with a compliment or a word of encouragement? It's free. You can give it away all day, every day, and you're adding value to other people's lives. But has someone not also destroyed you with a negative word or an insult? John Wesley said he used to withdraw himself from conversations after a short time because only sin could occur after so long. For example, 
We talk about the weather, we talk about the news, we talk about sports, and then all of a sudden we are talking about other people. Unless, like Psalm 17 teaches us, we are speaking with purpose. And what should we be speaking on purpose? We should be speaking the word. We should be speaking the word. The longer you've studied the word and the longer that you've walked with him, you understand that you can literally be speaking the word of God all the time. All the time. Maybe not verse and, and chapter, maybe not the exact scripture, but at least principles or ideas, you could be doing that. Ephesians 5.19 tells us to speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. These are all found in scripture. The more that we engage in God's word and fellowship and discussion of his word with other believers, the more profitable our words will become. Billy Graham said that our, our conversation when we meet each other, whether it be in the office or on the campus or in the shop, should be concerned with the things of God. Why? Because that's where the power is. We want the power. We want the authority of Jesus' name. But we're not talking about him. We're not speaking about him. We're not praying to him. We're not ingesting his word as we should. Our last reference today we're going to put up for you is found in Psalm 107. I'll go ahead and invite the team at this time. Psalm 107, 17 says, Fools because of their rebellious way and because of their iniquities were afflicted. Maybe you feel afflicted today. Their souls abhorred all kinds of food and they drew near to the gates of death. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. He saved them out of their distress. He sent his word. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Remember at the beginning we said if we want to talk about revival, we have to get our words right. So let me share a little bit with you about my testimony of entire sanctification. In the Christ and Christian Union churches or in our Wesleyan tradition, it's, it's an idea that we believe in, a second work of grace that's subsequent to our salvation where we are filled with the Holy Spirit, where we completely surrender ourselves to Him. I was at Ashland Theological Seminary, the Columbus branch, taking an evangelism class with Dr. Joseph Chan. If you can't tell, it's seared in my memory a little bit. He was a little bit of an old school professor, and he put these black and white videos on the screen, something almost as though it were reel-to-reel, -reel, if we would have had reel-to-reels. And at my age and my, love y'all, but if you're under 25, you'll see, you get more mature. <laughs> There's things you, I'm, I'm right there, 25, 26 years old, and I'm going, my goodness, I'm sitting in seminary paying thousands, like none of you do this, I'm paying thousands of dollars, this is the video they show us. And it showed these pictures of revival that were taking place. That's what he wanted to show us, these Great Awakenings revivals that took place. And this particular revival, it started as one person stood up in a, in a sanctuary in a congregation and confessed to someone else in that building that he hated them. And he apologized. And it began to continually happen over and over again. And revival took place. And I still didn't care too much, if that's okay. I was still tired. I'd still worked all day. It's 9 o'clock. They have the lights off in the classroom. In fact, that night, I think I was judging a couple other students for what they were doing in the class, Randy. And I got in my car, and I started to drive back to Grove City. And God impressed upon me, Jonathan, what revival is not taking place because of your lack of confession? Now, I want to be careful to make any of you think that you have this much power, and you don't. The Holy Spirit does. Your lack of confession could keep, be keeping revival from breaking free. No pressure. 
I'm not talking about what you did yesterday or you were a little rough with your wife. You need to, you need to confess that too. But it might be 5, 10, 20 years ago. There might be a spirit of dissent. I'll just go ahead and tackle it because this is kind of pastor I am. You might still be upset these churches merged. You might still think this place needs to be grace or we need to be back up on high street. You need to confess it. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Confession and repentance will urge on revival. So here's what happened. The Holy Spirit asked me that question and I knew the answer. And I didn't like it because he didn't remind me of something I did a couple days ago that was going to make sense for me to confess. I mean, he was bringing back things that I had done years ago that were laying dormant. God, you don't want me to call that, call that and stir back up because, you know, I just brought it to your mind for fun. No, he said, go do it. So I started picking up the phone. And remember, we talked about hurt. I didn't have to call anybody that I, that I punched or I stabbed or I, I tried to beat up or, or, that I, or that I lied to or stole from. I called people that I had talked negatively about, not even to their face, but behind their back. Every single phone call, we begin to weep together. Every single phone call brought reconciliation. Every single one caused a mini revival to break out in my life. They're not just words. If we say we want to see revival, our hearts can have no room for bitterness. We can't have hate in our heart towards our brother or sister. You know what I heard the other day, and I don't even know if you're in the room because I didn't want to know the names. Scott and Tara told me the other day that there are people on a list that say they won't work together in our children's church. I don't know who you are, but you got to go to that person. you got to make it right. We are a body, and we have to be unified. It was Jesus' greatest prayer. Revival will blaze as our hearts are changed by what we speak to others and what they receive from us. The word of the Lord healed them and delivered them from their destructions. And I believe that healing is all-encompassing. I believe it could heal your anxiety. I believe it could heal your depression. I believe it could heal your migraines. I believe it could heal, heal your physical ailment. What needs to be confessed today? What reconciliation needs to take place in your life? You might not just be limiting a relationship you're in. You could be keeping the Holy Spirit of God from breaking free and blazing in revival across this place today. Man, I hope the Holy Spirit's impressing this upon whoever he needs to today. The word of the Lord healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Humble yourself this morning and ask God to change that which comes from your mouth and he will start changing your heart. Confess, repent, and seek revival. Father, we pray that everything that we've said today has been honoring to you. And so now, Lord, as we, we take some time to continue in worship, I pray that for whatever reason that people need to come and pray, Lord, that they would come to this altar. God, I believe with all my heart that this message is something that you've impressed upon me because bondage needs to be broken, that, that we need to have people healed, God, that we could be delivered from destruction if we would just examine our words, which is the gateway to our heart. Help us to be obedient, Lord, towards what you would have for us in these next few moments. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As we stand in worship, as we respond at the altar, I'll ask you to stand right now. And let's continue to mind his spirit in these moments.
face the waves I don't want to be afraid I don't want to be afraid I don't want to fear the storm Just because I hear it roar I don't want to fear the storm I don't want to fear the storm Peace be still Say the word and I will Set my feet upon the sea Till I'm dancing in the deep Peace be still You are here so it is well Even when my eyes can't see I will trust the voice that today. Let's make it right. Come on. Your step might be the one that leads to the next step. You coming down might bring us someone else down. Let's not quench the Holy Spirit this morning. This is a message of power that needs to be released over this congregation today. What needs to be made right in our hearts? What needs to be confessed? What needs to be repented? Where does reconciliation need to take place? Don't miss this opportunity. It's not worth it to stay mad. It's not worth it to stay bitter. It will destroy you. It will take your peace. Let's go, church. Let's pray today. Let's give it to God.
God, don't let us leave this place without your peace today. Whatever it is, Lord, we pray that you would help us to release it today, God, that you would not let us be in bondage to the lies of the enemy. God, the pain, the addiction, the bitterness, whatever it is, God, our bitterness isn't hurting the other person. It's devouring us. Help us to give it all to you. Help us to see that you're a God who redeems and restores and uses the mistakes that we've made to do great and powerful things for the glory of your name. Help us to be about bringing glory to your name, Lord. Thank you, God, for those who have received the message today. We thank you, God, that you do reconcile us, that you do restore us. Help us to continue to call out so that you can send your word and that we might be healed in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll allow you to go ahead and have a seat. We'll let those who are praying continue to pray. I'm going to invite uh, Scott Fisher up to the stage, and uh, he's going to share with you for just a minute as we continue in the service this morning. to the congregation. Um, I'm going to read a couple statements, and your response will be, we will with God's help. We can handle that, right? We will with God's help. All right, so let me go ahead and begin, and then I'll look to you to respond. <clears throat> yes, sir. Want to grab a seat? Okay, Pastor Joe. I jumped ahead. <laughs> I've been in the kids' department this morning. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Amen. They're the church. They're the church. We got to yeah. be there for them. That's okay. First of all, I just uh, it already been said, but when they when all these children walked in, it blesses our hearts to know that they are the church. People say they're the church of tomorrow, but they are the church. I want to thank you and hear what you're sharing with them. We'd like for uh, Pastor's family to come up here, Allison and uh, these young men. There we go. Yeah. I I think Pastor should uh, run up the steps like this. They can. That's right. Amen. Slow down so I don't make a mistake, though. <laughs> As the uh, district superintendent, it's my job and my honor to install your pastor. I've used this story before, but my friend a long time ago, Charles Williams, said, he said, uh, when they install pastor, said a little boy asked his dad, he said, what's it mean to install pastor? Do you put him in a stall and feed him like a horse? <laughs> he said, no. You hook him to the church and expect him to pull it by himself. Mm. And so uh, I know that's not the way it is here at Capital City. So I'm going to be asking 
the fact, give a statement first of all. Pastor Jonathan, you were called here by God, led by Jesus Christ, and in now being installed through the power of God's Holy Spirit, confirmed by the vote of this congregation. Having been called the pastor of this church, will you take this congregation to be your congregation, this field of labor to be your field of labor, without reservation of mind, soul, and heart? I will, with God's help. Will you both promise to give yourselves faithfully to the ministry, to God's word, to prayer, and to the task of being the shepherd of this flock of God? I will, with God's help. Will you minister to the needs of all alike, to be friends to all who will permit you to seek the salvation of souls, to mature this congregation into the life of holiness and the place of service of Christ and his kingdom above all else. With God's help, I will. If you are wronged, will you forgive those who expect to be forgiven, to seek help and to keep those that will help you be mentally alert, physically fit, to strive to the peace of all men, to lead this church into the way of Christ and the Holy Spirit may give you wisdom and strength. I will, with God's help. I'd ask this time that Scott Clay would come and share with you as a congregation. Would you please stand? <laughs> it's the lights. It's the lights. <laughs> Scott Fisher, would you please come? <laughs> All right. Good morning again. Um, this will be the charge to the congregation. I'll read a statement or sentence, and then again you'll respond with, we will with God's help, okay? Will you promise to hear carefully the preaching of the word, to participate reverently in the services of worship, to share with these pastors in the responsibilities of teaching and learning, to assume your equal part of the church's compassionate ministries, to receive them into your hearts and homes, to counsel, to counsel with them concerning the welfare of the church and the winning of souls, to encourage them in their stand for right, to forgive them when they make mistakes, and to follow their leadership as they follow Christ. We will with God's help. Will you listen to the teaching of the life of holy living and act according to the word of God? Will you lead children and youth to the knowledge of the saving grace and the love of Christ? Will you, bring, will you help bring healing of broken bodies and the soothing touch of Jesus to troubled minds? Will you, will you care for the helpless and bring relief to all those who look to Capital City for spiritual help? And will you help evangelize to this community, across the street, 
and around the world and be involved in the worldwide extension of the, of the kingdom of God. I would ask at this time that the family would come down here to the front and uh, down to the, and then all the church leaders to gather around them. And then we'd ask our general superintendent if he would come and say a blessing over the family at this time. For all the church leaders, uh, and then uh, the different members would gather in as well. Isn't this a wonderful family? Amen. Yes. All right. Okay, we just invite you to come close to them and uh, join me in prayer, would you please? Heavenly Father, how grateful we are for the call that comes to our lives that leads us many different places at times. And we're so grateful for this family that accepted this call to this church, Capital City. Not just to the church, but to the kingdom and to the city itself. We thank you for the home that they are establishing. We pray that you'll just keep them safe, that, Lord, you'll bind Satan and keep his uh, ways away from them, that, Lord, as they build their family, they will also build the church and build the, the kingdom. I pray for these children that you'll be with them. Lord, help them to continue to uh, seek the word and seek you in their lives. Lord, these young men, Father, we pray that your hand will be upon them. Be with Allison as uh, the mother and, and wife, that you will just minister to her. Lord, she is the, the pastor's wife. Lord, we pray that as she ministers in this church, you will anoint her and that you will help her, Father, to, to find a way to, to reach a lost and dying world as well. But we thank you for Jonathan also accepting this call, that, Lord, you'll use him in a mighty and a powerful way. What a great message we heard from his heart this morning. May we not disregard that, but may we take it to heart, each and every one of us. And as we begin with that kind of spirit, with that kind of revival, we believe, Father, that this church will be a great lighthouse in this community for many years to come. Lord, as they began this ministry, as the baton has been passed, Lord, just help them to know that this is where you have led them, this is where you'll anoint them, this is where you'll use them, and this is where you will be with them continually in these days, years ahead. And we thank you for who you are. Lord, as you have called them here, it is you, we ask, for your strength and help to come upon them. Thank you for District Superintendent Duvall. We know that he will help. We know that he will do his part. Lord, we will try to do our part as a denomination. But, Lord, we are leaning on you today, depending on you, to come with all of your power, with all of your strength, to anoint and to bless and to lead this church, to lead this family into a mighty work of God. And we praise you and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. All right. Praise God. Wow. Okay. I would, first of all, we, uh, just one more thing.
that we're getting ready to do here. The family could be seated this front. Right down here, Pastor, you're, you're getting ready to get, well, let's go up here. Yeah, come on, up here. Yeah, come on up. Yeah. Okay. The Apostle Paul used a lot of energy to talk about two basic things. One is the fact that, uh, that war or a battle. And then the second he talked about was the fact of an athlete. And so today we are going to uh, do something here. Reverend Dean is going to be about right here. Did you run track in high school? I ran cross country and hated every minute. <laughs> <laughs> Track's a different thing. Did, did you run track, Pastor? Okay, well, here's the thing. In track, there's a passing of the baton. And I, I, love, I love 400 races because, you know, there's a certain place where the runner enters. Here's a line here. And then about, uh, oh, about this far, right over here, you have to pass the baton. Now, if you pass it too soon, it's a foul. If you pass it of the line, beyond the line, it's a foul. And, there's, and, and I got to watch races and be there making sure, and then I put a flag up saying, it was good, good pass, but as you as a church, you're going to cheer them on because of this time in the life of this church, God has as we shared in this, ordained a man and his family to take the charge, to pray for you, to preach. By the way, that was a powerful message today. Amen? Amen. Yeah, wow. If, if the Holy Spirit didn't convict... I think maybe we could have a calloused heart, but anyhow, neither here or there. So we're going to start David, Pastor Dean here. Jonathan will be here because that's the mark you get ready. You see this arrow right here? Okay. And as he's moving on, you, oh, wait a minute. Which hand are you going to pass the baton to? Okay. You ready? Let's, let's cheer him on. Okay. Here you go. Here you go. All right, all right, yeah, all right, yes, amen. I tell you, thank God for what he's doing in this church, what he's doing with Pastor Jonathan, and, uh, and uh, I'm not going to say any other names because it's uh, confusing to me at times. All right, God bless you. And the best is yet to come. I'm good. Okay. Well, thank you, church, again. I know we've said it, but thank you for letting us come here and letting us uh, be your pastor. Um, if, you, if you'll allow, Pastor Joe, you gave me like another 60 seconds to my sermon. He talked about how much he loved track, and then if I wanted to, I could have been here as a pastor going... Man, my DS was a guy that liked to sit there and catch people making fouls. <laughs> we do that, don't we? 
If, you have, if you've been around me any of the last month, you've heard me say something like, when we think someone else has hurt us in the church, it's probably a misunderstanding. It really, you're a Christian, I'm a Christian, we're all Christians, we all love each other. We're trying to make it to heaven. We're not trying to hurt each other. Go talk to the person. It's a misunderstanding. Clear it up. And, and it's, it's Matthew 18. It's not just for a small crowd that a worship leader could say, where two or three are gathered, he's still here. It's for when you come together in conflict. He promises to be there. And so I wonder if we don't come together when there's conflict, when we don't go to that other person, if the Holy Spirit's there when we do, who's, who's mediating when we don't? Leaves a lot to, lot to wonder. Okay, so um, what we're going to do right now is we're going to say goodbye uh, to our online viewers. We do hope that you'll join us here at our Rathmel Road campus very soon. We believe God is on the move, and we want you to join us in the journey ahead. Um, with that, I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward to help us receive the morning tithes and offerings. Um,